0: You are listening to Overcomer's Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged.
1: This is going to be our last week where we're talking about the spirit of man. And y'all been blessed by hearing these things. Yes. Amen. You better not say no. While I'm looking at you. But uh,
0: It's blessed me. It has, it has. Every time we
1: go back and go yeah. through things, you know, I had a, a guy say one time, uh, a music guy I was involved with years ago, and he said, Repetition is our friend. And, you know, I really believe that when you can hear things more than once, it will really, really help you in hitting it from different angles. That's, that's how we learn. And, you know, the, the Lord is interested in, in teaching and instruction and that's a line up on line deal and so the more we hear something the better off we're going to be as far as as far as learning it so um, you know we mentioned talked about this last year I think about this time and uh, so we just decided you know what we're going to do this again and and uh, really help people get a good perspective on this and for us it's something that you know, we, we've we walked in a lot of freedom because of this, because we were dealing with the spirit of mammon. And if you missed any of the, the teachings and stuff, you need to go back and listen, and it will really help catch you up to speed, because we don't have time to go back and hit all of it. There's just too much information. But uh, this is really important, and I've said this before, and I'll just say it again for the record, that understanding how to handle money, finances, um, is really... It's, money is not the most important thing. Money is like the least important thing. But... If you can't handle that which is least, how are you going to be entrusted with that which is the greatest? And the greater things are, most important are people, but I could just say in general kingdom principles and and things like that, and the Lord's going to entrust you with more as you learn to be a good steward over the least. And that's not to condemn anybody, but it should put things into perspective. And so if you're not stewarding your money well, then you just take a step back and go, Lord, help me increase in this area. Help me be able to steward well. If you're not a, a giver, you're missing out. And uh, I, I don't think anybody gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I would have given less. You know, developing a lifestyle and a mentality and an attitude of being a giver, we're called to. And it's the nature of God on the inside of us to give. And so for anybody that, that develops a, you know, a tight-fistedness and is unwilling to let loose of what God has given them really has not tapped into the heart of God. Yeah, amen. And so dealing with the spirit of mammon has helped us be able to be freed up to be able to just release. And we don't, we don't actually live off the 10% principle. We live off the 100% principle. Everything that comes to us belongs to the Lord. It's all his money. There's not one dime that I have. There's not one stitch of clothing. There's not any square footage in my house. There's not uh, any vehicle. There's not any toy. There's not anything that I own that belongs to me. It all belongs to the Lord. And my hand is open to where he can both put in and cause me to release what's in my hand. It all belongs to him. Amen.
0: And what a place of freedom that is to live where you just have an open hand knowing who your God is and knowing that he will supply every need that we have and the desires of our heart too. So I love that. You know, a lot of times what I've come to realize, like if you aren't giving or living that lifestyle, which I believe that you all are, you're all awesome givers and I love that. Um, It's just, it goes back to your love walk because God's so loved that he was able to give yeah. and so whenever we so love then it's so easy to give so it just comes back to just connecting our heart with the father of god and knowing just like what we sung like he is so in love with you he gave jesus and because of that like what is it for us to just freely give then yeah because yeah, we freely receive so then yeah. we should just give
1: and you know and it's the giving is definitely is in God's heart but even even beyond that it's not that the Lord is expecting you to give all of your money away Some of what you have is seed but some of what you have is bread it's meant for you it's meant for you to take and use for your life and there's nothing wrong with that but it's the willingness to release it. And if you, if you aren't willing, if you're not at a place truly, and only you would know the answer to this, you and the Lord, if you're not at a place to where you could truly release, then there's something that's binding you from being able to have that mentality. And see, whenever you realize that God is your source and that what belongs to, to you actually really belongs to him and you can just release it, you don't worry about anything.
0: And then that's that verse, you know, in Matthew 6, like, don't worry about your life. Yeah, that's right. Period. Don't worry about it because God, he's the one who's taking care of it. That's right. So I love that. Like, you know, the the enemy, not that I want to give any glory to him or the spirit of mammon in this case, wants to keep you tied and bound to this world. Because if you're functioning in his realm, then you can continue to be bound and controlled by this realm whereas when you're free and you're walking in that freedom then you can walk in the kingdom of God and live by kingdom principle which is the higher level with which is the standard that God has called us to and not only called us to but he longs for us to be in cooperation with
1: yeah amen Amen. So we're going to get into um, what we're going to share on today. And so uh, basically, we've talked about how that, that uh, you know, we gave all of these uh, attributes or symptoms uh, of mammon.
0: Are you a slum? <laughs> I'm posing for the
1: camera. Uh, anyways, don't mind her. Just uh, <laughs> get my good side though. Um, all yeah, your sides s- are good. <laughs> now, if
0: I would have said that,
1: you would have been like, oh, there you <laughs> There's such a double standard in this church. I'm just, I'm just, hypocrites. Uh, everybody always takes Liz's side. I know I said this before, but I had, uh, Dale Craig told me one time, he said, you know, you could be laid in the hospital in a full body cast. And someone would walk in there and say, now, what did you do to Liz to deserve her to beat you up like this? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So anyway. praise the Lord. So we, we actually retitled this, uh, this message, uh, Are You a Slum? And so in other words, are you someone living under mammon? And uh, so then we gave some attributes and things that we're not going to go back into all of that. But then what we discovered is we just spent a lot of time meditating and looking at uh, how mammon actually manifests. It primarily comes through two different uh, facets or two different ways, and one is uh, fear, which we talked about last week, but then the uh, the other way that uh, it manifests is just through our flesh. Now, let me just see a show of hands. Who has a serious flesh problem? Let me, no, I'm just kidding. You don't have to raise your hands. I was looking for one to bite on it. Nobody bit. But the reality is, is that we we have uh, we have flesh. You know, the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And you know what? Actually, it means to be carnally minded. It means to be a meathead because. So you could call somebody a meathead. Well, you shouldn't call them that. But you could be a meathead, and it's a scriptural term because when it says, um, when it talks about to be carnally minded, that word carnal actually means flesh. It means meat. And so when you call someone a meathead, they're just being carnally minded. So amen. So but to be carnally minded... Uh, is a place of death, and this is one of the ways that Mammon, the spirit of Mammon, works in our life, is just through our uncrucified flesh. Does anybody have any flesh that they're still trying to throw on the altar to get uh, burned? Amen. I think probably <laughs> every one of us are yes. there. Yeah. Amen. And so we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about how it manifests through flesh, and then how to be able to deal with it. So this is going to help you be able to recognize it. And uh, you know, flesh is one of the hardest things. Uh, to talk about because nobody nobody really wants to go to that place to realize like I've got I've got some issues um, but man people people have issues and the deal isn't that you arrive but it's just that you leave nope there's not been anybody that's arrived if if they have said they've arrived or give a facade or something that they've arrived they're they are the least arrived person that there is <laughs> amen so everybody. Everybody is on this deal of needing to grow and mature and overcome things, but we're overcomers. amen? It's it's in our DNA. And a lot of what we have to overcome is just flesh. Sometimes people will blame the devil for a lot of stuff that's really nothing more than just you being a meathead, amen? Just being carnally minded. So you could smile when I say meathead. You know what I'm talking about now, amen? So um, so it's good to just take a step back and, and realize that we've got flesh issues that we're still working through because the deal is, is that your spirit, the, the most inward part of you, has been changed. It's been, uh, it's been totally reformed, reshaped. It's been reborn into a, a species of being. One translation says it has never existed before, so your spirit has totally changed. But our flesh, in terms of our physical body and our soulish realm, our mind, will, emotions, and conscience, Is in the process of being changed, or should be in the process of being changed. But you can be saved and you know be on your way to heaven, but not grow. You could be saved for 50 years and not grow, not even one little bit. Growing is a choice. Changing is a choice. It's something that we have to put ourselves in the place of saying, God, here's some some attitude, here's some rebellion, here's some flesh. Here's some unrenewed mind and I'm placing it on the altar so you can deal with it so that I can move forward in my life. Amen. Everybody come into agreement with that? Amen. So we're going we're gonna to light up the grill right now and we're going to... Not the grill because we're not going to eat it. That's cannibalism and that's just gross. But we're going to turn on the fire and we're going to let you throw it in the fire. Amen. So um, let's pull up the first slide that we've got here. And so we're going to talk about flesh. And if you remember, we talked about that fear has a spectrum to it. Well, flesh... Um, also has like a kind of a spectrum to it when dealing um, with the area of mammon or mammon dealing or working through our flesh. And so on one end of the spectrum is just, it's complacency um, and it's just simply saying, I don't need any more. Now, this could be to... The untrained ear, the untrained mind, which is not you guys because you're in the training process, right? To the untrained ear or mind, this could sound like contentment to say, hey, I just, I'm good. I don't I don't need any more. But you know, there is a there is a level of pursuit for more of the Lord in everything, including finances, that is holy. And for anyone to get to a place, and I've I've heard many people say this over the years, they're like, you know we're good. I got my retirement and I'm and I'm done and I'm I'm just we're good. I'm settled. I'm not against retiring or anything like that. But we should never get to a mentality to where we don't want to see increase because if we're if we don't think we need increase, what we're thinking and what we're believing is that we've got all of our needs taken care of and so we don't need to do anymore. Well, that is completely opposite of the kingdom mentality. The kingdom mentality says. I actually, I need more, not because I need more, but because I need more because God has entrusted me that when finances come to me, they can go through me to be a blessing and to advance the kingdom of God.
0: Amen. And the thing with complacency is, is that it will put a cap on you. Yes. It will make you say, well, I have what it is that I need and I don't need anymore. I have taken care of. Like you get to a point where you have like arrived. Like I've done all the things I have set out to do and now I'm okay with that. Like I've reached this place and now I can sit down and now I'm I'm just like fine to let the world happen around me because I'm taken care of and that is no—that is not a kingdom mentality. We're not supposed to be a place where we're capped. Like the kingdom of God is ever increasing. Right. Therefore we should be ever increasing and the, the thing is is that God will use you all the days of your life That's if right. you will remain usable and so he doesn't want to see us get to this place where we're just capped and where we sit down and where we won't be usable anymore. That is actually the plan for the enemy for your life is that you You feel like you have arrived because the thing is, is when you have arrived, then you have done things in and of yourself and that requires no faith walk. Right. And that is not where we're supposed right. to be. We're supposed to be that We're inquiring of the Lord and we're seeking him and he's telling us things that are so much bigger than anything that we can fathom or we can do on our own. It requires us to walk in faith. It requires us to lean not on our own understanding. It requires us to trust God, to lean in, to hear him, to allow him to lead and to guide us all the days of our life. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the place where I'm just like, well. I'm good. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah that, that's exactly right. And when you look at look at uh, certain Bible characters in particular, you know, the, the older they got, the more intense they got in believing the Lord. And it's because, it, well, it, do, it, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't it wasn't about uh, it wasn't just about being satisfied with a certain level in this life. And I mean, I, if you just if you just if you have a heavenly perspective, it it's hard to get to a place where you're like, yeah, I'm good. I mean, to me, people that are like, you know, it's like, what are you doing with your retirement? Well. I just fish every day. Well, I think you could fish more, but what about winning souls? What about helping people? What about fathering and mothering people? What about pouring into people? What about helping? What about discipling? What about giving? What about increasing? Because when I get to the place to where I'm at retirement age, and I don't know how you retire from your calling, I don't really know what that looks like. But uh, you know, when I'm I'm at that age, I want to cut. Co- what's going to come out of my mouth is, yeah, maybe some things have shifted in how I'm doing and what my daily routine is. But I'm increasing all the way until my toes turn up. Yes. I'm going to keep moving yeah. forward and believe in God for more. Why? Because I need more. No. My plan is by the time I get old, that I've got so much money in the bank that I don't know what to do with it, except for leave it to my kids and give it away. And believe God for more to leave to my kids and to give more away. (laughs) We're supposed to think like that. That's not wrong. And it's so funny to me, the people that are always like, oh, you're a prosperity preacher. It's like, you have no idea what I do with them. A, you don't know how much money I make. And B, you don't know how much money I give away. And my goal is, the level I'm at now, that it increases next year, and it increases the next year, and it increases the next year, and it increases the next year. Why? Because the money that comes to me is not about me. So if we ever get to a point to where we're like, uh, and again, I'm not against retirement, all right? I know there's people in here that are retired. Praise God, you worked hard. You should be able to shift gears. That's fine. But don't grow into a mentality of like, hey, me, my four, we're good, and we don't need to help anybody else. Jesus never got to that mentality. Abraham didn't do that. Moses didn't do that. Well, he, did, he got a little cranky. He did a little bit. <laughs> Caleb was 80 years old and said, let me have the mountain. I want that to be of us. So we're not supposed to get to a place of complacency. We should always be content, but we should always be believing God for more in every single facet of life, including finances.
0: Amen. Amen. And Praise I would Lord. say too, don't let the enemy steal from you, and rob from you if you are older and retired, say that you are unusable any longer, because as long as you still have breath in your lungs, That's you right. are still usable. God still has plans right. and purposes for your life, and he still wants you to continue to move forward and continue to help advance the kingdom of God. So you're never too old to continue sowing seeds into the kingdom of God, and the The thing about those seeds is that once you get them planted in the ground, then they continue to keep producing. So that's legacy for you. So then you're, you know, you'll be known for all of time. Like you don't just die when you die. And that's what I love about the kingdom of God is that we're continuing to sow seeds into the ground to leave legacy. That's
1: right. That's exactly right. We're, we're supposed to have a longevity mentality. And years ago when we started this church, I told Liz, I said, I want this church to outlast us. I want it to be left for our children. I want it to be left for people to where they can take and they can continue eating from what it is that God caused us to plant. you know, to plow, to plant, and to see grow up. I want it to last for generations. We should think that about everything. What we're doing now, um, I I heard this recently. um, Ashley uh, Terades shared this with me, and he was saying that, you know, he realized something that so much of what the Lord has promised him will never even come to pass in his life, but it's worth contending for because it's about the future generations. We should have that mentality with everything that we do, including including finances. Let me bring a little bit of balance to this before we move on, don't ever don't if you're at a place in your life to where you're not in the in the the money making stage like you were, uh, don't be condemned by that. There's no condemnation. We're mostly talking about a mindset. More than how much money you have coming in, that's that is not the issue, but it's a mindset of I'm going to continue to bless no matter the age that I'm at. Amen. Praise God. So the other end of the flesh spectrum um, is just a it's a it's really the completely uh, the complete opposite. One says I'm totally good. The other one is a lust for more that says I have to have more, and it's this constant thing of never being satisfied and always having to have things to bring fulfillment to your life. And it really the the deal with lust is that it it says I will be good when I have more. I'll be good when I have that that certain dollar amount. I will be good when I have. Um, you know, that car. I'll be good when I finally have that house. And we spent, I'll say more more me than Liz. I spent a lot of years, especially in the early part of our marriage, wanting this kind of house and I want to have, you know, this kind of vehicle and I want to make this much money. And most of it really still hadn't happened yet. So, I mean, actually I was going to buy a truck, but when the Terre church happened, I thought, well, I don't want to have a gas guzzler to drive over there three times a week. So I'm driving a... a Da- I'm nice driving a dad car. van is what I'm driving. I first got, I literally, I'm like, I'm not buying a minivan. I'm buying a, um, an economical SUV. I pulled up to Dane's house the first day. Second day, maybe I had it. He walks out and he goes, nice van. I was like, thanks, Dane. <laughs>
0: So you there's, know there's no shame, there's no shame in and being resourceful and mindful
1: yeah no there's there's not I just didn't want to look like a I was driving a really a mom car, but it's just called a dad car, well, but you we know, anyways. are
0: moms and dads well, I know so. I know, but
1: I still want to look cool, you know so uh so you we don't have everything that we want in life, and it's it's not a it's not about that, and if you don't and it's not that the Lord doesn't want to bless. You know, I feel blessed to have the car that I have. It's a nice car, whatever. But uh, if you always have this thing of, of like lusting for more, there's something at the core that says, I'm, I'm going to be good when I finally get that, that thing or finally arrive to that level. If that's your mentality, you're never going to be satisfied. You cannot satisfy flesh. I Actually, this is, this is a little off to- topic and kind of deep, and I'm going to go here real quick and then bounce back, but I asked the Lord one time, I said, how is it that people get off into these crazy things that they do in terms of um, sexual impurity? Like, I was like, Lord, I can, I, I can understand a certain amount of it because I'm a man. I understand it. But the far things that people get into, I said, I, I, can't, I, I can't comprehend it. Help me understand what's going on. He, he said this to me, he said, the flesh knows no bounds. And when you find somebody that is living in a lifestyle of consistent uncrucified flesh, they're consistently going to be looking for a different and new way to fulfill the flesh that is out of control. Just because you get saved doesn't mean you don't have a flesh problem. You still got to deal with flesh. You just have to daily take it to the altar and, and just lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want any part of my flesh ruling me on any level. This is why fasting is a good thing. And I'm speaking to one that's not an amazing fastener. This is a good faster, but I, 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 I do fast. I fast different things. I do fast food. Um, do fast food. <laughs> Told on myself. When I'm not doing fast food, I fast food. So, so anyways, my point is doing things to, to put flesh in its place is really, it's really a very important thing. And so I'm a little off topic there. But when the Lord showed me that about how people get off into these crazy, crazy things, like you look at like Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, not only were, did they fully embrace homosexuality, they had angels show up and they wanted to have sex with the angels. I mean, that's, I don't even, if I had an angel show up, I'd fall on the ground and, you know, cry probably. Or, and I don't even cry hardly. So, you know, but the idea of getting to that point, that kind of debauchery is beyond me, but the flesh knows no bounds. So when it comes to financial things and always like, I gotta have, I wanna have that, and I wanna have this, and I wanna have that. What's really controlling you? Are you controlling your flesh or is your flesh controlling you? And I can say for me that I lived with always wanting more stuff, always wanting this, always wanting to have that. And it is, and there's nothing wrong with having things, but it's just about uh, not allowing things to have you. Simple as that. Amen. So the end result of both of these things is this. It's just selfishness. The root cause of, of all flesh, And both ends of this flesh spectrum is nothing but selfishness. Thank you for those four amens. It is. And this is something that we we all deal with. And I wish that we could have a deliverance service and cast, cast selfishness out of people. But it's not something that can be cast out. It's something you just have to deal with. But we basically... From the time, it, this is embedded into human beings just to, to primarily care about self. And you, we need to take key to ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves, take care of our bodies and minds and all that stuff. But as soon as we come out of the womb, it's crying, it's a fit, it's feed me, change me, burp me, hold me, rock me, put me to sleep, get me. I mean, really, that's the life of a baby, right? Well, some people get older physically, but they don't really change much in their thinking. And it's like they get older and they want everything to coddle to their flesh. And the Bible just calls that selfishness. And here's the deal is it says in uh, James, I want to say it's the first chapter, it's not. It's somewhere in the first three chapters of James. It says that we're envying and self-seeking or selfishness, where self-seeking exists, there is confusion in every evil work. Wow. You think about that. It should make us think twice about being selfish, about being in the flesh. You know, if you want to know how de- demonic spirits gain access to people, it's always some kind of fleshy thing that they're involved in that opens up the door to the enemy to come in. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm just trying to enlighten you just a little bit. That's how the enemy comes in and messes with people. You know, when you're being carnally minded, and probably no one knows this in here better than me. When you're being carnally minded and you're not thinking right, you're not thinking heavenly, you're not thinking about the Lord, you're not keeping a proper focus, and you have things come at you and you respond or react wrongly, and you go into this whole mindset about thinking uh, you know, negatively about whatever situation, all that is is selfish. You're thinking about how that situation is affecting you, and you're opening up the door for the enemy to come and wreak havoc in your life, particularly in your mind, Anybody ever done amazing warfare in your mind, and then come to find out at the end of it that you didn't need to do any of the warfare? All you need to do is stop thinking like a knucklehead, stop thinking like a meathead, right? Yeah. Come on, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to say it to where it's light. It's pretty hard to talk about people's flesh when the flesh is sitting in front of you, and you have your own flesh. That can get really dicey really fast. But we got to talk about these things, amen, because we all have to deal with it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. It's nothing but selfishness. There's a book that I, I meant to bring it in here, and I just forgot, and it's uh, titled Self-Sitterness, the, S- the Source of All Grief. And uh, you know, I think the first time I read it, I was like, well, let's get some good knowledge on this. And I'm like, wow, that was me it was talking about right there. The grief and things that we go through, you know, and the Word's so gracious. And there's one song, I forget which song it's talking about, but it talks about, um, oh, it's Manny, your word, and it says... Um, faithful in every heartache. You know, some heartaches come to us because we deal with really tough stuff in life that are completely out of our control. But you know, a lot of times we deal with stuff, we deal with heartache because of the way that we think, because of the way we process information, because of how we view situations, because of how we think about things, because of how we think about thinkle, think about thinkle, think about people <laughs> thinking about us and assuming that they're thinking things that they're probably not thinking. And before we know it, we're in this deep thing where the enemy's like, gotcha right where I want you.
0: Yeah, a hot mess in your mind. Goodness. Sound like that's... I'm
1: speaking from experience. <laughs> I'm just real. I think, tra- I think leaders need to be transparent. And if you ever find a leader that's not transparent, it's just they're not a leader. Because you have to lead by not only revelation, but also how you've taken revelation and walked through things. And man, the enemy, he wants to bombard your mind with anything and everything to keep you wrapped up in your own thinking and in your own self.
0: Because whenever you're only looking at yourself, then you can't see anything else. Because in that place, when things happen to you, it's all about me and how this is affecting me and what this is going to cause me to do. And now I have to do this. And did you hear me, 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 me? And so sometimes you have to break the cycle and say, okay, let's just step back and let's just take a broader picture here and let's look at somebody else you know one well we'll get into the solution in a minute yeah. but like you just you have to stop being so self-focused now it's not wrong to want to do things to improve ourselves and to walk better and to break cycles but you know then there's this this shift that we get into and still making it about uh this all the self-help. I am improving, but I am improving myself and it's still very self-motivated. And you yeah. see the world right now has taken these things and has done, okay, let's do this self-help and let's do self-improvement and let's do self-motivation. And it's still all self. Self-esteem. Yes. Yeah. Let's build and now now I'm not saying self- Saying That it's not good to think good, positive things right. about yourself, but there's a difference between self-esteem mm. and God-esteem. Self-esteem right. says what I am capable in and of myself, where God-esteem says I am who God says that I am. Right. And then in that place, I can do the things that he's actually called me to do. So that will break um, cycles in your life.
1: That's exactly right. We're actually not supposed to be. People talk about like, oh, I've got a good self-esteem. You shouldn't have a good self-esteem. You should have Christ's esteem. You should esteem him. You should esteem him in you. And I'm not trying to wrangle about with words, but let's just call it what it is. We're not supposed to esteem self. The, the, Paul said, he said, in the last days, perilous times will come. And you know, the very first thing he said after that, he said, men will be lovers of themselves. Perilous times will come and you'd think of like rockets are going to fly and volcanoes and the ocean's going to disappear. No, he said people are going to be lovers of themselves. That's the start of the perilous times. If there's ever been a time when people have been selfish, I think now is the time. It certainly has escalated. I mean, all of these, all of these things. I remember one time seeing back when magazines were a thing. I, there was a, there was a me magazine, an I magazine, a self magazine. All of these things about improving self, and the, the very that is actually, that is actually the nature of the world system which is controlled by Satan. God is the God of the earth, but Satan is the ruler of this world system, and his system is all about promoting self. And God is all about dying to yourself. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you first have to lose it. He said, pick up your cross, pick up your death stick every day and follow me. Totally opposite of the spirit of the world. And sometimes we can get caught up in that. There's, because there is a balance of like okay, I need to take care of my, myself, I need to you know do things or you know whatever I mean I, I get haircuts and whatever you know I mean you take care of yourself there's no problem there. but when you're all wrapped up, I mean, wrapped up in it, there's a very unhealthy balance that leaves the door open for the enemy.
0: Well, and that just makes you be your center. So then that means you're the one who's going to take care of everything. And then then you put pressure on yourself to be the one who is your source. Yeah. And then when all of a sudden you can't be your source anymore, then like you're, you don't know who you are and yep. you've lost that center. So actually, we're called to be God-centered. Right. And in that place of being God-centered, centered and he is our source, then it it doesn't, the outside circumstances don't matter because God is consistent. God is the same. God is never changing. And so that is the place that we're to live from. That's
1: right. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So uh, we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick in Jesus name. So actually go back. Oh, Yes. So the solution, drum roll. (laughs)
0: Solution here's the solution is surrender your will. It's just surrendering your will. Alleluia. We have this thing (laughs) in us
1: as human beings, and we've got you know anyone that's raised more than two kids or more than one kid probably you, you notice that one of them at least had a much stronger will than the other one or the other ones, and so. But it's in people to have a will that's set to do things, and most of the time. Our will is set to do things that will ultimately please self the best. I mean, we are so wrapped up in self, and we just don't even realize it. And and the the thing is, is that when you know when you're raising kids, you it doesn't matter how strong of a will your child has. You have to teach them to not be selfish. It's embedded into human beings because we were born, uh, as it's been said, children of the devil, which just really means we were born. Uh, Not in right standing with the Lord, that's why we need to get saved, we need to get born again. But we're automatically born with a nature that is of sin, and sin is all focused on self. Every sin that you will ever find somebody doing is all about themselves. It's all about self. Everything is all about self. And people have to be trained out of being self-focused. And the way that you, you really, the children should be anyways, and for adults, when you get to a place to where you realize that you're selfish, then you just need to just totally surrender your will. And I think to me, this is the, the, the reason, and when I read about Jesus, this is one of the primary themes that ran through his ministry, because he was always telling his disciples. He was always telling people, If you want to find your life, you first have to lose it. And anyone who desires to follow me, you have to despise all of these other things of life that bring you all of this benefit, and you got to lay down your life, you have to pick up your cross, and you have to follow after me. He said, you got to surrender everything if you are really going to be my disciple. Man, that's strong language, but that's what Jesus said, and it's right. And so the solution to dealing with self, now we're talking about in terms of how mammon manifests and through the flesh, but this is really any flesh area, always comes down to self, and the way that we deal with it is a total surrender of our will. Uh, let's look here at Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at a few verses here real quick, and then we'll be done. Y'all getting something out of this?
0: And who knows, the flesh does not like to go get on the altar. Yeah. I mean, come you know,
1: on. We're called to be a living sacrifice. You know the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> so verse 38 of Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read just a few verses here. It says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Now, this is when Jesus um, was right before he was going to be crucified, and he was dealing with, you know, he didn't just deal with physical torment. He dealt with torment or, um, you know, this thing going on inside of his soul, inside of his mind and emotions, knowing the things that he was going to face physically. Uh weighed heavy on him. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. You know, there's nothing wrong with experiencing sorrow. If there was, then Jesus was wrong. You know what's wrong? Living in sorrow and allowing sorrow to determine your life. Wow. (laughs) My soul is exceedingly sorrow, even to death. Stay here and and watch with me. And of course, they didn't. But anyways... um, And so in verse 39, he says, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father. You know, I want you to notice something here. He was sorrowful, but who did he turn to? My God. He turned to the Lord. He turned to the Father. Sometimes when we're sorrowful, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, sometimes when we're dealing with something, we can get introspective and think, How do I deal with this? And how do I fix this? And and before we know it, we're back into the whole selfish thing when the very first thing we need to do is go to the Lord and say, God, this is heavy on me. I'm laying at your feet. You show me what it is that I need to do. So we went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. The greatest nevertheless in the Bible. Nevertheless. What if Jesus didn't say that? What if he stopped right there and said, oh, my God. What if he said, let this cup pass from me? Man, think about that. What if he had said, let this cup pass from me and never said nevertheless? See, Jesus was expressing what he was going through. But ultimately, he was not about fulfilling what flesh wanted. Jesus, I've heard people say, Jesus had no choice to go to the cross. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. It's right there. He was presented with the choice, but he said, if, there, if there's any other way that this can happen, Father, let's go that route. Nevertheless, ultimately, I want your will to be done. Man, thank you, Jesus. The greatest nevertheless in the entire Bible. I literally had never thought about that until standing here right now. It's the greatest okay. nevertheless in the, in the history of humanity. Not my will. And he goes on, he says, not as I will but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, of course, whatever. (laughs) That's why they're called disciples. They just didn't get it. And and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the what? The The flesh flesh is is weak." weak. So what we're battling most of the time when we've got some kind of battle going on, is it is a battle of wills. Are we going to have the will of our flesh win out or are we going to have the will of the father win out in our life? I mean almost every not almost literally every day. This is why Jesus said pick up your cross, take up your cross daily. Because every day until we go to heaven, we're going to have to battle flesh. Just go ahead and prepare for battle the rest of your life. And most of the battle, it's not the devil. There's been times when I've gone into this great spiritual warfare. If I bind you and I rebuke you and I, ah! and then like a week later, I realized, you know, I was thinking kind of meatheadish, carnally minded. And actually, that was my problem. I was giving the devil too much credit for the warfare that I was in. And I'm not saying the enemy is not real. There's time for rebuking and binding and casting and all that, and, and all of that, you know, but most of the time, what we're battling is our own will it's just flat out our own will. You know what our will is? It's both a willingness and its obedience. And the word says that the willing and the obedient will eat the fruit of the land. So here you find Jesus in this passage freely giving up his will for the will of the father. He said, I'm willing to let loose of what my flesh wants So you can have what you want.
0: And this was not the first time that Jesus himself went and changed his will for the Father's will. Like when you go back at the beginning of Luke and it talks that Jesus went away as usual or as a custom. Um, He withdrew to a solitary place. Place and he prayed, that word prayed there, I can't tell you the Greek name, but it's actually where he switched his will with his father's will. Yeah. He went in and he was daily, he said, God, it is not what I want, but it is what you want. So he was doing this all the time. And then I love, as you keep reading it, Peter came to find him. He's like, where have you been? Blah, blah, blah. Let's, we gotta go, we got work to do. And then Jesus said, for this purpose. Mm. I have come. And it was like he remembered what he was actually here to do when he went and he exchanged his will with his father's will. He was so connected to it. It gave him passion. It gave him drive. It gave him burden. It gave him desire to keep going forward. So we have to daily we have to often lay down our wills and right. say not my will god but yeah. what is your will because here's the beautiful thing is in that place god's will is so much better oh. than our will Amen. he can do so much so many things and get us on a track that is like so much greater than anything we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. That's so right. it's so much better to journey with him. And I'll be the first to admit, like, it is so hard to say no to your flesh. Like, when your flesh some wants something, like, It wants something, and when you start telling it no, it will start screaming at you. I don't know if any of you have experienced that. I personally have. You're like, no, you're not going to eat pizza, and then you're like, I just want pizza. Pizza is so good. I'm going to die if I don't have pizza, and then whenever you – if you give into it, then it's not like you just eat a bite of pizza. It's like you engulf that pizza because you're – Oh, yeah. So you see how like that flesh is like oh I am gonna win. What? Why are you laughing?
1: Because I'm remembering when I was on keto, and I did I did the keto diet, and I had been I don't know two three four weeks I was towards the end. You were not attached like,
0: to your purpose. Huh? Otherwise, you would not have done this. Wow.
1: Okay, I'm done. Uh, I, she was cooking rice. And on keto, you don't eat any, you don't eat carbs, you don't eat any sugars of any kind. It's horrible, other than you can eat all the bacon and butter that you want. So, I mean, it's, that part's good. But I, I, she was cooking this rice, and she had some cilantro in there, and some salt, and some, uh, lemon, not lemon, but lime, and it was like, and it was in the pan on the stove, and I went, hot. I went,
0: hot, okay.
1: <whistles> and at that moment, I was like, I have a flesh problem, and it's still not under control. But But I've been quite a few days without it, so we can all
0: experience that. Like where when you're saying, I didn't even bother to get a
1: spoon. I mean, I lost all sense of dignity. (laughs) My dignity was gone.
0: That it will, it will, it will work really hard on you to get what it wants. Yeah. So going and praying to God. And reminding us not our will but your will that will help with that, and being consistent in it and keeping your eyes focused on the one because when in that place you're reconnected to purpose. Yeah, amen. and in the place where you know your purpose, then you can move forward. But if you are not connected to, you could say purpose, or I would say sometimes your why—why why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm actually here, what I'm you know. Existing force, like it's it's in that place that you can actually move forward. It's in that place that you can be focused and you can say no and move on. It's like that one no, and once you take that step forward, then it then your flesh it'll it'll get behind you.
1: Yeah, yeah, amen. Get
0: behind me, rice, pizza, whatever it is. Get behind me.
1: let me read one more verse here. Let's read one more verse together, and then we'll close. Good stuff. Yes. Amen. Uh, Philippians chapter one. You know, I like to tell stories like that because I have flesh, just like like everybody else. We're all in this together. Amen. So Philippians chapter one, and we're going to read twenty-one through twenty-four. It says, "For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain." But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. So he was having a, a dilemma here. And for anyone who thinks that your time of death is already set, think again. Paul knew he could go and die sooner than when he, sh- than he should have died, because he was in a situation where he could have gone, put himself in harm's way for preaching the gospel, and been martyred. So it says, "'For I am uh, hard-pressed.'" Between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And so here you can see that Paul was dealing with, with his will, and he desired. And we don't really understand this. We don't understand what it's like to be uh, uh, beaten with with rods and have all the feet and our bones, uh, all the bones in our feet broken. And to have 39 stripes three different times taken on your back, and to be left for dead, and to be shipwrecked, and to be um, without food, and to be without water, and to have a snake bite you, and on and on and on the things he went through, you can imagine he'd be like, I'm cool, I can leave now, and I'm going to be totally fine with that. I mean, if you just put yourself, you'd probably be like, "Lord, take me home." I mean, sometimes you know we'll have a bill come in. it's like, "Jesus, take me home. I can't handle it." Imagine being in Paul's shoes. It was really difficult. But he said, "Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you." Probably the second greatest. Nevertheless, I literally had never thought about that till today. I'm proud of myself and the Holy Ghost for bringing that out. So, nevertheless. And aren't you glad Paul said nevertheless, because he wrote the, the books in the Bible that are, in my opinion, are probably the most important. He said, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. What was he saying? Not my will, but the Father's will, because it's about your benefit. And when it comes to this life, if for nobody else's, if for nobody else's sake, the people around you, if not for your own sake, the people around you continue on so that they can reap the benefits of your walk in God, so they can reap the benefits of the wisdom, that the understanding of whatever it is that you have to offer. Praise God, not your will, but God's will be done in your life. Hallelujah. That's good stuff.
0: Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.